Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, the best bits of this afternoon's show. So what are the best bits of this afternoon's show? Well, we had a chat and uh, then we chatted about a pair of Nikes that have gone for an absolute fortune. Yeah, we had incredible. The, the, the authority on training shoes and running shoes, he came in. Yeah. Um, we talked about catchphrases. We did, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, we wonder what Andy's catchphrase might be as well. Andy so. Zaltzman came in. He was good. Uh, he was good form. Yeah. yeah. He was on good form, rather. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. That's really. about it, is it? Yeah. All right, then. Well, here it all is. <laughs> Gained a certain amount of notoriety overnight, um, of course, via Dillian White, who may have other things to worry about <laughs> sure, today. Yeah. But you. yesterday, yeah. he was very much focused on your rant, uh, <laughs> which was put out by Talksport's social media team, yeah. of you saying all the England boys at lunch should have been beaten up by Dillian White, he should have gone straight <laughs> to Lords, had their faces pushed in their lunch, and then have their uh, contracts shredded by Dillian, who turned up with a shredder, of course, armed with a shredder. Is, when, I, when I'm saying it, yeah. it's, it's kind of like. It's it gets it out of my system. But yeah. when I listen back to it... You like, sound like a lunatic, don't you? Completely mad. Yeah, but it's never stopped you doing it again. In the moment, again, you <laughs> well, never check yourself. Well, I can't you just help do it. it again, don't you? It's just genuine, isn't it? I know it, it is. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not made up. No, no, it's, it's the whole but, point. But thank you, it, Dylan, yeah. for... He, uh, yeah, he, he, he liked Andy's uh, stuff. He gave it a mention and had a bit of a laugh about it. I mean, it, I know. So. I mean, it can be funny, so I'm aware of that. But, yeah. you know, but, uh, it is a bit bonkers. Yeah. Anyway, Yerry Mina of Everton. Have you seen this? He's been charged after starring in a gambling-related advert back home in Colombia. He sounds like the Ray Winston of Colombia. <laughs> What's Spanish for? Have a bang on that. I Have a bang on that. Que te des un golpe en eso. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, okay, a nice one. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> and uh, I don't see the headlines. I mean, of course, I was very critical of England, but the headlines from world champs to chumps are a bit unfair. Every player's got... <laughs> no, because it's a com- <laughs> this is a completely different team. It's a completely different sport. They were chumps. What's they harsher? Got... What's harsher, saying chump, uh, champs to chumps or saying beaten up by heavyweight boxer, faces pushed in dinner and central... Con- livelihood ch- destroyed. Ch- I'd say bringing in the world championship team, Team. World Cup winners, I think is unfair. You've it's a lost, different team. You've lost the plot, I know. Yeah. Well, I have lost it. Lewis Hamilton uh, has got a, seems to have a great excuse for uh, his, his hair seems to have yeah, grown. He smashed rumours of a hair transplant, insisting his thinning thatch was down to using hotel shampoo. Yeah. Showing off his new bushy barnet, that says in the sun, on Instagram, Britain's mm. F1 champ told his 12 million followers he now uses good products instead. You think? 
Oh, come Are you on. saying chinny record? I'd say slightly chinny record. Perhaps he's lent those products to David Meller, judging by him in the yeah. news yesterday. Or indeed, Carlos Valderrama. Carlos I don't know if you've Valderrama. seen this. What's happened there? Carlos Valderrama has basically taken all of that mass of curly hair and straightened and it. Straightened it. Mm. And uh, it, it makes for a pretty fearsome sight. It's, um, I don't know, what does he look like? I mean... Well, he looks like David Meller. He does look a bit <laughs> of David Meller with a moustache. <laughs> but it still looks like Carlos, But it's the, and the hair's the same sort of colour. It's kind of very blondish. It's a bit too long, isn't it, really, for and that it's, look? But it, it's down, it's down, it's, it's below, the, below the breast, isn't it, really? I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very long. It's almost waist well, it's very long, it is. Yeah, it's so go and check out those it, yeah. pictures of... Of Carlos with his with yeah. his long hair. I've got some news of the uh, eight twenty five at Doncaster tonight. Yeah, it's the Artex handicap. Spread it around. Oh, nice! Oh, I on. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could be a bit of a rough finish to that race. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Could, be, Could yeah. be a bit of a, a bit of bumping. Could be a stewards. That's right. Talking Good. of which, mm. in the tour, uh, you've probably seen two of the boys have found themselves oh, yeah, uh, expelled. I thought it was a bit over the top, really. I, you know, it did. It did. I, you know, and always agree with Dave Browsford, but you felt a yellow would have sufficed to kick two fellas mm. uh, off the sport. This is the sport that's gone from kind of more or less turning a blind eye to doping for about twenty-five years. Do they have a, a yellow system? Is that the system? That well, get a I mean, warning? I think they could have had a warning, right, you know. Right. But then, we, but now they've gone completely kind of scorched. It's going to affect the they? tactics of the race. I was reading as well. Well, so. yes, it's certainly from uh, Ineos' point of view, it's not particularly good for them. But it's always very interesting. In, they're in the Alps now. I think I sort out the men from the boys. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on Talk Sport. Now, uh, a pair of trainers, uh, sneakers, whatever you prefer, have uh, sold for £351,740. They are the Waffle Moonshoe. Uh, they're uh, Nikes, and uh, they, are, they date back to 1972. So why are they so uh, coveted, and why someone spent that much money on them? There's only one man to turn to. He joined us in the studio to chat about his uh, excellent coffee table book, The Sports Shoe, a history from film to fashion. Um, and he'll know all about this. Called a, <laughs> uh, called a sneaker tragique recently in, in a review of the book. Uh, Thomas Turner. Good afternoon, Thomas. Good afternoon. Yeah, that's that's not a bad uh, handle to have, is it? Sneaker tragic. You'll take that, I would imagine. I, th- I think I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's okay. <laughs> so, what is it about these uh, these moon shoes, these Nikes? Then, I think they're. I mean, they're they're an important shoe because they're a shoe that connects to one of the founding stories about Nike. So you hear this story about Bill Bowerman, who was one of the partners who founded it, tinkering away with his waffle iron and playing around with rubber and trying to create these experimental shoes. And this is a story that's been repeated often in you know, Nike marketing, right? Mm. right back to the early 70s, through the 1980s, through the 90s. And this particular shoe is a shoe that comes out of those experiments. So it's a, something that has the waffle sole that he was, you know, the so the story goes trying to create when he was playing around with his waffle line. I mean, the rubber on the bottom of the shoe wasn't made using the waffle line. No. Um, mm. But it's something that gives you this direct connection right back to this almost like a foundational myth of this massive company that now everybody knows and this well-known brand and this figure within uh, the history of trainers and the history of sports shoes. It's something that connects very directly to him as well. So that gives it a sort of significance within the history of sneakers or trainers. And so few were created. There weren't that many pairs of these made, were there? Yeah, this is an experimental... Well, it's a, an experimental shoe. I think there were 12 pairs made. I think there's a handful of them that still survive. This is one that wasn't actually worn. And these are... Um, ex- well, it looks well-worn. 
I think that's just because it's old. I mean, it's really? made, yeah, it's oh, it looks like it's quite a weathered looking. It does have a weathered look, but it has clearly got the swoosh on it, the famous swoosh, so very presumably early version. Of it. It's an early version of the Nike swoosh, yeah. So that's what I mean. This is this is at this point where the people who uh, created the Nike brand at first through the 1960s, they were basically importing trainers that were made uh, from Japan, mm. and then they kind of had a falling out with the company who was making them, which was Onitsuka, and then they started getting shoes made under their own brand, and they created this uh, fantastic sort of winged swoosh that goes on the side, and this is one of the earliest uh, shoes to have that on the side of it. Yeah. The, are you aware of Miles Nadal, the collector, the Canadian collector who spent this much money on them? Is he, is he a, a bit of a name in the sneaker world? I, I, it's the first time I've heard of him. I mean, he's not somebody who I've heard of before. I've been, I've been, I've been sort of looking at this, and I think one of the things that's interesting is he's described often as a, an investor. Hmm. And we know that he's got a big collection of classic cars and he's got, you know, an original Benz and all this sort of stuff. Right. Um, and it seems so he probably to, just likes uh, kind of ori- you know, original material from from big brands. I, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think he's looking for collections. He's looking for somewhere perhaps to spend all of his millions of dollars on yeah. stuff. I mean, it's like art or fine wine or classic cars. Mm. And perhaps sneakers are the next thing that's going to happen with that. This is uh, this is very much a, a sports shoe and not a, a kind of fashion shoe, isn't it? Because mm. almost it looks a bit like to explain it. It looks like an Astro, doesn't it? It looks yeah. like an Astro sole. If you're like a, yeah. or a sprinter's shoe, really. yeah, it's very. Maybe. And they were there for it was there for the seventy two Olympic trials apparently that's why they were created yeah so it's it's a it's a running shoe hmm. and the innovation that it has is it has this rubber sole with kind of rubber prongs on the light if you like on the bottom yeah. kind of like an astro sole uh, and that is designed to grip and it kind of takes the place of running spikes or something like yeah that. yeah so um, it's designed for athletes and they were created handcrafted handmade uh, for a particular group of athletes who are participating in those trials and that's why there's so few of them made and the 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 kind of the ideas from it fed into later shoes so one particular is the waffle trainer which was one of nike's most successful shoes in the 1970s and was one in which their brand is really kind of founded he spent sorry andy you carry on well i was just going to say i mean this price three hundred and fifty thousand pounds compared to i mean i'm just looking online here and i see a uh, a Nike Mag Back to the Future shoe from 2011, that's £12,000. I mean, that seems an, an awful lot of money to pay for a pair of trainers anyway, yeah. or a single pair. No, no, it is a pair. And uh, But this is such a difference. Is this the most expensive price? It is by a mile. The last yeah. one was yeah. hundred. Uh, it's nearly £200,000 more than it's, the most that's ever been yeah, paid. I mean, quite a lot more. That is a lot more. Yeah, because it? It well, that was a pair of Jordan's Converse, so I take it, uh, uh, you know, they were they were game-worn, and yeah. that's what made them so expensive. Yeah. This this is different. This is an iconic shoe, not necessarily not about who wore it, but it's the, where it's, it sits in kind of Nike's history. It's where it sits in, I mean, it's where it sits in Nike's history, it's where it sits in uh, you know, like late 20th century, 21st century history. This mm. is something that gives you this connection to the moment that this big brand that we all see around us and is kind of instrumental in sport today yeah. was actually created. Yeah. It's a it's a link to the man, one of the men who was instrumental in, uh, you know, pushing jogging and creating the kind of fitness society in the 1970s, Bill Bowerman, who was, uh, you know, wrote about jogging in the 1960s, promoted that. It's something that gives you this, you know, a tangible connection to this moment that's been sort of mythologized in marketing and in the history of sneakers and you're not going to get another one of them it's no. a, you know it's a individual shoe are uh, are there kind of holy grails uh, sneaker wise are there shoes out there that everybody's uh, kind of searching for or oh, i think come on if every every sneaker tragic uh, <laughs> has their own particular list i mean i've got my list the next man's got his list i think most of these things this is the interesting thing about this one this is a shoe that's 
uh, obviously a kind of significant shoe and it's significant for all sorts of different historical reasons. Most of the time when people are looking for these shoes, they're ones that they've got a personal connection to. So it's like, oh yeah, I remember those when I was 12 and I wanted a pair of those or my, my older brother had those and I really wanted them and I wasn't allowed them. And those are the shoes that people seem to kind of connect with, things mm. that they remember from their own history. Yeah, This is one that has an actual, it almost stands outside of that and becomes a shoe that's important uh, on a wider kind of scale than just the personal level that these things often work So what are the ones and that you, you covet then? What's, what are the ones that you, if you could have any pair? The ones said, that I covet are Adidas. We'll treat you, Thomas, for coming in today. Adidas, Adidas <laughs> Stasi Supers from 1979, please, if you can find me a pair. Made in France. What, what, what do they go for uh, on a the market? A pair of Adidas Stasi Supers? I have no idea. I mean, these go for... You know, hundreds of pounds, perhaps. If you can find a pair, the problem with most of these things is yeah. that they disintegrate. They're made out of plastics. Of course, yeah, that don't yeah. last. That's one of the things that's notable about. They're this not shoe. biodegradable, of course. But no. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. I, I'm a big fan of Air Force Ones. Yeah. But I'm, I'm always fascinated by the fact that if you go into Nike's main store, yeah, they'll have the Air Force Ones, but they're always normally white, black, mm -hmm. red, maybe. Whereas there's a, there's a store in Shepherd's Bush that I go to, and they get the most unusual colours, colourways, patterns. Yeah. You think, where do these come from? Well, how are these made? And because, why aren't the company I mean, themselves ex selling them? Well, yeah, for example, those I'm wearing what today. Wow, brown and checker yeah. plaid. Nice. They're Air Force Ones. They're Air good, Force aren't they? Ones, yeah. Yeah. But you won't find those in a regular store. Well, they won't. <clears> they're, qu they're quite clever about this. I mean, they, they, to, make a, I mean, to make a shoe like that, technically, it's the same as making one in white or black. Mm. It's just different you know, materials that they use. And the 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 knives and the dyes that they use, all that kind of thing, they're all the same. Um, they're quite canny in making niche, you know, relatively limited runs and putting them in the right stores or putting them in some stores where they think they're going to sell and then putting other shoes that are going to be in the, you know, much more for the mass market, like the white ones or the black ones, which you can wear for, uh, you know, school sports. Mm. They put those in the shoe shops that everyone goes to. Um, I think the, 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 the history, I suppose, of that, you know, multiple colorways and all the variation that you see and the kind of madness. That comes out of sport. That's something that they would make special, specially made shoes for a particular, you know, Air Force One, particular college teams or particular, uh, you know, NBA teams yeah, who wanted I've a got shoe Kobe matched, Bryant, yeah, really matched with their, face their uniform. Really yeah. cool. What's the future of them then? I mean, we probably touched on this when you are in chatting about the book, but what, what, in what kind of direction is, is the kind of market going, do you think? I think one way that it's going at the moment is that, trainers or sneakers have become just a, a genre of shoe mm. a, a kind of type of shoe that people wear and they're not necessarily this thing about uh, sports and performance and fashion and this connection with them it's almost like it's moved fully out of sports now in some some respects yeah. they're still performance shoes but you have sneakers as a kind of category as foot, of footwear and into that come in designers and uh, you know shoemakers who are thinking more about them from a less from a perhaps from a performance perspective, but more from perhaps an aesthetic perspective, or from a, you know, how do these things feel? What do they represent? In the same way that perhaps other items of sportswear, like a polo shirt or a t-shirt or something, is very far removed now from you know tennis or, or polo or something, yeah. and it's become just a category of clothing that we all wear. I think that's the future. It will become something that people are free to experiment with and play around with, and you have different designs. And meanwhile, you have at the high end kind of like in motorsport or something, a very, very specific performance-oriented, technologically-driven 
type of sports footwear that's worn by athletes and sportsmen and women mm. in various disciplines. Well, we're putting out our favourite. Um, uh, I've told you last time, the brown suede Adidas Hawaii's uh, I used to wear as a kid, but with a brown sole. I mean, they brought out Hawaii's before, but not that colour. And I don't think Adidas have ever brought the brown one back out with the brown sole. I used to we, love those. We need a we need a campaign to get We do. Back, Let's yeah. bring it. <laughs> Hashtag bring back the brown Hawaii's. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good. Now, over the years, we've uh, often talked about the weight loss photo in there, the old trousers, as we call somebody, it. Yeah, somebody loses a lot of weight. They, they hold up their old Slimmer trousers. of the year, and they hold up a pair of their old trousers, don't they? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's gone out of fashion, the old trousers, and I've noticed now... Why is that? I've no idea. Do think, why do they not do it anymore, do you think? Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's easy. It's the best indicator of just how much weight you've lost, isn't I it? Agree, if you hold up a yeah. pair of your old trousers. But uh, Sarah Arnold, age 40, from Birmingham, has lost uh, 19 stone. Fantastic effort by her. But uh, the new thing is that you say she's lost the equivalent of American wrestling star Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> she's lost a whole <laughs> rock, has she? She's lost, yeah, yeah, basically. So there you go, so... Makes a change. It's a bit sporty. It makes a change you, to be trousers. to be perfect, Andy. Not that you're not, mm. but to be the perfect weight mm. from your. But what would you have to lose? A Jimmy Cranky? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, difficult know. to know, isn't it? I'd and, say a, a, a hair virchet. <laughs> <laughs> that's one for the teenagers. There we are. Yeah, that's good. Why not? Talking of teenagers, uh, one foot in the grave star Richard Wilson. Oh, yeah. He, 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 the, the curse of, the, uh, of I don't believe it has driven mm. him mad. He's been oh. dogged by the catchphrase 19 years after the last episode went out and he's still pestered to say the line. So people go up to him and go, go on, say it. Say it. Go on, mate. Say it. 
Yeah, like that. and it's quite annoying, that isn't it? Really? And, uh, there wasn't. What was the comedy show where he finally snaps and runs after the person who does it and tries to attack them uh, <laughs> as the as Richard Wilson? <laughs> in oh, a really? No, I, I can't remember what it was. The listeners <laughs> may well remember, good. but uh, uh, yeah, that was. He perfect. says he gets it a lot from taxi drivers. So I know a lot of taxi drivers listen to this show. So if Richard gets in your car, don't say to him, "Can you say it?" Because he doesn't want to. I suppose they've got me trapped. Uh, he says, though, if it's their birthday, though, he go will on, say, say it. it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you really, every time you get a taxi, you want to go to a taxi driver and say, go on, say it. You talking to me? You talking to me? Go on, say it. <laughs> see yeah, how they like see it. See how they like yeah. it. That's a very good point, yeah. actually. And, uh, um, although we, we, the late, great Roger Lloyd Pack, a Trigger, mm. in Only Fools and Horses, joined us in the studio many years ago. And I said, um, Roger, how many times a day would you say someone shouts, all right, Dave, or... Trigger! Yeah. And he said, about 50. Yeah. About, but he was kind of fairly <laughs> stoic about it all, wasn't he? <laughs> he just, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he loved the part and he, <laughs> he didn't seem to mind too much. But, uh, yeah, 50 times a day mm. he was living with that from a that white van. They're having another drinks break. I'm not Don't surprised because yeah. I've, I've been to Shanghai in July and it is, it's not like today. Like, today's very, very hot, obviously. It's an obvious yeah. thing to say. It's boiling. But... It's a different sort of heat. Yeah, it's like, incredibly humid, It's like being it. under a... You know those old big women's hair dryers? You walk out of the hotel <laughs> and that's it. Someone's turned that on you. It's, you can't explain it. It's yeah. incredible. Uh, Bill, I'd like to. Uh, I'd like you to go and find Pele for me. Oh, OK, right, yeah. Is he in the building? Well, I think he will be. You know, it's a hot day and if he's... Looking for a bit of air conditioning. Well, we're going to have a T20 birthday spread. Oh, there he is. Good old Pele. There he is. It's time for a T20 birthday spread. The shortened version, the one-day version, well, even less than one-day, half-a-day version of the birthday spread heard here last week, I believe, was it? Or was Hmm. it two weeks ago? Anyway, uh, happy birthday to the diplomat and ambassador to Greece from 1999 to 2004, Sir David Madden. And uh, I love his game on EA Sports. Dave Madden's Diplomacy 19. It's <laughs> brilliant. It is a brilliant game. I, I'm a big fan. Uh, it was Father Ted, says Roger and Jim. Thank you. Of course it was, uh, fellas. I should have remembered, but that was the sitcom it was in. Um, 86. Oh, no, I didn't even give you a spread. He was 73. You oh, been okay. Out well, I would have been, he wouldn't have given me more than five. <laughs> no. Maybe this, oh, maybe luck. there is a, a bit of a, a something we can come back to this afternoon because Charlie the cabbie's been in touch and uh, talking of people going up to uh, yeah. famous people yeah, uh, and asking them job. to do their catchphrase. <laughs> have you ever done it with any success or have been told to do one? Because Charlie says I got uh, Kathy Burke in the cab once to say hello, Mrs. Person. <laughs> so uh, they will do it, Charlie. Of course, mm. as you've proved there. So if you wanna, if you wanna regale us with tales of. Being brave enough to say, go on then, go and do it. No go one's on. ever asked me to repeat my June Whitfield catchphrase. No, yeah. What was it? When was it back in the day? You can't even remember you it. You wouldn't that's get what. June Whitfield saying that or something. You wouldn't, like that's right, yeah. And of course, my one, but. Steve Backley. Of course, it? Steve Backley was there, which is, uh, <laughs> became a bit of a catchphrase. And I can't remember. In, no, I think I somebody did. sent it in to us. Yeah. And he said, I was at a do a little while ago, mm. and he said, uh, there was so and so and so. And he says, of course, Steve Backley was there. <laughs> like he'd turn up to anything, <laughs> which he wouldn't necessarily. I did feel for Steve there slightly, and we thought, yeah. there we were, Boutros, Boutros, guy. Uh, the Nolans, um, Dennis Taylor, <laughs> Ilya Nastasi, and of course Steve Backley was there. <laughs> of course he was, yeah. If you want to build an unlikely list of people who got together um, and end it with, of course Steve Backley was there, we yeah. will salute the best uh, collection of, uh, of disparate characters that Steve Backley found himself or not in the company of, as well as uh, the people you've got to do their catchphrases. 
Um, talksport.com, text 81089, tweet to TSHNJ. That's talksport.com forward slash HNJ. Text to 81089 or tweet to TSHNJ, T-S-H-A-N-D-J. We look forward to hearing from you this afternoon. Andy, my focus is on the monitor showing Spurs Manchester United slightly more at the moment than it is the one showing the cricket. So what's going on in the cricket? I'm actually also intrigued by the football as well. So. Okay, well, let's go. Well, in that case, let's check in with a man who's actually, oh, I don't know, if, if Fulham were playing, it may have been different. But um, he is watching the cricket normally at the moment. Um, John, what, what's going on? Um, well, England have eaten a lead. 11 runs now. They're 133 for one. Jason Roy and Jack Leach both passed at 50. 100-run partnership for the second wicket. And uh, all's well in the world. It's uh, baking hot here, as it is everywhere else in the country. And uh, England now in a position really to, uh, to kick on. You don't want to be fielding in 39-degree heat, that's for sure. Unfortunately for Ireland, not exactly famous for uh, being able to deal with the heat, uh, they're going to be doing so, you imagine, for the rest of the afternoon. Yeah, I mean, you did. You would expect, uh, John, with a pitch deteriorating for England to go on and win this now, wouldn't you? He said, hopefully. Well, look, after what we saw yesterday, this game uh, makes fools of all of us. But yeah, I mean, you'd certainly be rather be in England's position than Ireland's. Yeah, um, they're still only eleven for one. They are, yeah, but exactly. I mean, can you see another collapse based on what the pitch is doing at the moment? Can you not see England putting on at least another two hundred plus runs? And well, I can always see a collapse with this English side, <laughs> yeah. in fairness. Tell you what, guys, this is your catchphrase talk. It reminded me of um, a show we did about 10 years ago when we, well, rather I, yeah. went around the production floor and gave or encouraged every producer to come up with their own catchphrase. Um, and I remember mine. Do you, do you know what it is? Yeah, yeah go, go on, then. On, remind us. Hey, what's a guy to do? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and that never took off for some reason. Funnily enough, it's taken 10 years for it to, uh, to be reprised. And, uh, do, do, Next do, time we go to you and it's going to collapse. Do, yeah. <laughs> hey, what's a guy to do? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what's a guy to do? So, yeah, John, see if you can just slip it in once or twice uh, during your what, bulletins this afternoon. I'll try and slip it into drive. Okay, yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll hold you to that. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. 133 for one then, uh, England. God, they've had a bit of trouble with mm. the ball today. Never let look at another yeah. ball, aren't they? You, you know darts player Stephen Bunting? Uh, not personally, no. He looks yeah, he like look, the moose. He looks like the moose, doesn't he? he? Does but he's like got a really moose, unlikely yeah. nickname. He's called the Bullet. I don't think I'd describe him as a bullet. Bullock, more like. Disrespect. <laughs> 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 what do you mean, no disrespect? <laughs> you can't call someone a bullock and then say no disrespect. <laughs> well, you've just said he looks like the moose. Well, he exactly does. flattering, I mean, is it? Oh, the our moose. United have scored. Oh, technically. dear. So, moose, is that Marshall again? He's had a very good moose, game. No, it's not. It's Gomez. It's Gomez. Yeah. Moose, it's Mino goal, Raiola. <laughs> yeah. Stephen Bunting. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. And he was telling us earlier on Richard Wilson's been talking about the curse of uh, I don't believe it mm. and uh, it plagues him. Um, and uh, you're telling us about your encounters with uh, celebrities that you attended, attempted to eat their catchphrase out of. I saw Arthur Mullard, says Sean from Broxbourne in Hertfordshire, outside the Hope and Anchor pub in Islington and said to him, yes, my dear. Uh, <laughs> and he told me to clear off. Actually, he didn't say clear. <laughs> so there we are. You just mouthed me through the glass. Who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Look him up. It was. Um, you don't have people on telly like Arthur Mullard anymore. <laughs> they are. Yeah. 
Yeah. He, um, um, he, he, did a, he recorded a single called Yus, My Dear. He did. Based on the catchphrase. Yeah. He also did the song from Greece, You're the One That I Want, with Hilda Baker. And uh, give me another who. I've got a thousand yard stare from the kids next door. <laughs> I once bumped into Ali Jones, says uh, Mage, and I shouted, I'm walking in the air. Something like that. <laughs> of course um, he did. I thought he'd find it highly original, but <laughs> he said, he didn't. Leave me alone. <laughs> Drink had been taken by me, of course, Brilliant. says Madge. Um, Windsor Davis' son was in the year above me at school. I was sure he'd find it hilarious if I called him lovely boy. He clearly didn't. And whacked me in the lockers, which is quite a painful place to be here, isn't it, really? Is that euphemism? <laughs> you ever been whacked in the lockers? Oh, I have, on many occasions. It, well, it, you know, that, that would probably get your sim bin to the world of rugby league. Uh, keep those coming. Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH. Could hear Steve-O saying that back in the day, couldn't you? Yes. Always whacked him in the lockers there, Eddie. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Hawksby and Jacobs here on Talksport. Made a welcome return to the studio is uh, comedian and cricket statistician, of course. Uh, was on duty throughout that uh, victorious World Cup, but thankfully he wasn't at Lords yesterday. Um, it is Andy Zaltzman. Good to see you, Andy. Hello. I was at Lords, but only, oh, you, only, only as, as a fan. Only as a fan. <laughs> Could you quite believe what you were seeing? As a statistician, were you were you taken to Old Wisdoms? Or, or you probably the, loved it. You're probably just thinking, when was the last time? It, I mean, I saw some of your stuff. I was reading them out to Andy. As, right. as records tumbled, you were sending yes. stuff out via Twitter. Well, I was looking it up on my phone, which is a bit, <clears throat> yeah. a bit, a bit fiddly, like, <laughs> using the stats engine on a, on a mobile. But, yeah, it was supposed to be my day off. I was sitting there with my kids looking up stats. I'm not sure that was good parenting really are you buying the I mean some Graham Thorpe the batting coach saying the boys were in the wrong headspace and the World Cup hangover were you were you cutting them some slack or were you fuming sitting there well not really <clears> I mean it's I've had what 10, ten days hmm. um, I mean it, clearly I mean it, it's difficult we've seen it, previous uh, the last two World Cup winners have toured England that's a statistical oddity <laughs> yeah. Jason Roy's shoes come I've never seen that before his shoes come off. Yeah. And actually, if the wicket had been standing up, he could have stumped him. Yeah. his shoe was out of his ground. <laughs> yeah, it probably was. That's really unusual. Yeah, isn't it? that would have been that one. That You're would now going to say that's happened 18 That would have been in wisdom next year. Cricket. That last happened in a game between Essex and Gloucestershire. <laughs> John Player game. Um, so, sorry, Andy, you were saying, yeah. Um, uh, yes. Uh, so, so it was. Um, <clears throat> we've seen, uh, I was saying, previous touring sides, India in 2011 after winning a home World Cup, Australia in 2015 won a home World Cup, both toured England that summer and didn't do particularly well. Mm. For the Indians in 2011, uh, they had a slightly longer gap, but still that emotional come down. And the the guys that did well for them in that series, Rahul Dravid and Praveen Kumar, medium pace swing bowl, neither of them had played in the World Cup. And um, so clearly it's it's difficult, I guess, to to adjust. But at the same time, there was some, you know, fairly, (laughs) fairly dismal... Batting. I think yeah. it was the approach. It's this one-day approach where you're pushing for a single, but when the ball's moving, you've got to let it come to you. And boycott was going on about it, but he was right. Yes, and and also, you know, if 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 it hadn't happened so regularly over the last couple of years, you might think, well, that is a World Cup hangover. Whereas it seems to be essentially the way, <laughs> the yeah. way they play now. Yeah, I, the, I did suggest hmm. that basically when England are playing in a Test match, the bloke who does the scoreboard just put up 35 for three before <laughs> even start. And everything else is a bonus. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a bit worrying. We've got a couple of our bowlers injured um, going into the ashes. A couple of them won't probably make the first Test. We don't know quite what's happening with Burns, who's not really scored enough runs so far. Denley, jury's still out on him. They're both probably likely to start next week. 
you know, Roy's getting a bit, but he's gone in at three, as Andy said, effectively. So what are we finding <laughs> out about him when he goes in at two? It's it's a lot of questions still need answering before next week, aren't they, really? It, it does... It is starting to look like they should just send in a night watchman to open the batting every single innings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Burns, clearly this was a huge opportunity for him. He did okay in the winter without cementing himself into the team, but looked totally out of sorts. And the way he was out twice, the ball's quite far outside his off stump, does not bode particularly well. Clearly it'll be a very different challenge against Australia. I wonder if they'll have seen how England played Murter and might think of playing Siddle in a sort of similar role, incredibly mm. accurate mm. pressure bowler mm. alongside the, the speed and skill of the, of people like... Well, Pattinson, I think, might, if he can stay fit, he's had tremendous um, figures in first class and test cricket over his career, but has hardly played any test cricket in the last three or four years due to injury. But yeah. every time he plays, he looks an absolutely top-class bowler. So uh, it, it could be, you know, <laughs> one of the lowest-scoring ashes of all time. Goffey feels both attacks are better than both batting lineups but going back to the final I mean for you a man who loves his cricket you know as you were growing up and listening to Test Match Special and loving, to be there <laughs> on that moment that historic working must, Andy part work, of the process never mind, never yeah. mind about that but just to be there as well as working but it must have been incredible for you it was uh, it was wonderful yeah and I, I mean I, it was a you know a childhood dream of mine albeit I was quite an unusual child <laughs> 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 to, to do stats on TMS and um, uh, I'm not sure it's many people's childhood dreams but anyway <laughs> um, so it was uh, yeah it was absolutely when wild. S Club 7 was singing Reach for the Stars that was very much <laughs> what they had in mind that's the subtext yeah yeah um, yeah <laughs> I think Bradley was a massive, massive fan. <laughs> so, um, taking your cricket hat off for a moment, you are going up to the Edinburgh Festival with yes. uh, with your show. Yes, I'm, well, I'm doing um, um, Satirist for Hire mm. uh, in a slight change to the originally listed show that I was going to do. Right. Um, uh, which you didn't have time to write one. Is uh, that what happened? Well, essentially, it turned out that um, going to 31 cricket matches in six weeks is <laughs> not the best way to write stand-up. So, um, what a surprise. Yeah. So I'm doing Satirist for Hire where people email me in and yeah. uh, sort of write the show based on what people have submitted to the shows that they're coming to. So um, Not much to go at, I wouldn't <laughs> think, in the news. Um, well, and yes. that's, you know, um, the fact MPs are taking a break, aren't they? Very shortly, having some yes. time off. Oh, it's well earned, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, if, you know, I'd, if, if they can take that break for a thousand years, I think everyone would be quite happy. <laughs> but and that was, I think, that the, the hype, the, the greatest thing about the World Cup for me was not, you know, as I said, doing my my, my childhood dream job for six weeks, seeing some incredible cricket, seeing one of them, probably the most dramatic hour of cricket possibly in the history of the sport. Yeah. But it was basically avoiding real news for a month and a half. That was absolutely glorious. <laughs> yes. Had but you realised, sorry, Paul, yeah. at, the, at that peak moment, the, the thing that uh, Simon Toffel picked up on the next day should have been five rather than six. Had you realised that? Uh, no, and um, I don't think anyone else in the world realised that. Yeah. Clearly no one on either team realised that, N neither of the standing umpires. No one on any TV or radio channel yeah, picked it up. None it? of the journalists wrote about it the next day. And I've been, I've How been... happy must Simon Toffel have been <laughs> yes. that he was well, the one that discovered it? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things about this. That's one, his childhood <laughs> dream. <laughs> yes, I've been waiting for that. But it's a law. I've, I've been watching cricket since 1981. I've never seen this law applied. I've never even heard it mentioned. And when you think about it, logically, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that the overthrow begins when the fielder throws it. Surely the overthrow begins when it goes past the stumps. That's why it's called an overthrow. So the law itself makes no sense. If anything, that was the only just thing that happened <laughs> in that last few minutes from New Zealand's point of view that you know that was the least or certainly the least unjust I mean they clearly they sh I think they should close the loophole on, on ricochets yeah uh, other they than, will do other I than think. for England batsmen in key moments of World Cup <laughs> yeah. keep that open but yeah 
Yeah. So where are you going to be on, Andy? Where can we see you in action? <clears throat> I will be at the Stand Comedy Club, where I've, uh, I've done my last uh, few shows uh, in Edinburgh. I'm doing, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's four in the afternoon from the 13th to the 24th from memory. I probably should have checked that before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 13th to the 25th. And I'm doing some political animal shows late at night with a mixed bill every night and a couple of live bugle shows up there as well. Oh, brilliant. So when can people start asking the questions? You like to be quite topical, don't yes, you, or not? Yeah, but you can send them in any time. And yeah, so if you're, if you're coming to the show, yeah. Send me an email to the, the show email address, which is satirise this at satiristforhire.com. Put the date of the show you're coming to and the topic you want me to satirise and any supporting information you think might be relevant. Well, well Andy, I, I'm up there for a couple of shows with Green King Mid Ashes, so we will get you along. It's oh, yeah. uh, between one, certainly before you're on at four, obviously, and, and just get a bit of an update from you, see what you think. Yeah, well, it should be a fascinating series. I'm not, still not quite sure why the Ashes are happening straight after the World Cup, after they spent so long moving England's Ashes towards Australia because mm. yeah, they had Ashes then World Cup uh, and it's I think a bit of a shame that they don't you know didn't have the World Cup as the absolute focus of the summer but uh, it's set it up it rather will be yeah, yeah, so, yeah. and it, I think it could you know we will see some fantastically exciting bowling I think from both sides absolutely Andy good to see you as always thanks for having me uh, Andy Zortzman there catch him up at uh, Edinburgh and get your questions into him it's uh, Paul Hawksman and Andy Jacobs here on TalkSport um, the listeners Mark in Seaburn so if he ever sees you Andy uh, yeah. Jacobs, he will run up and say, and say, "What's the point?" Well, you can do that. Will be, be right. Would you think that would be your catchphrase? If I you, suppose if you were it gonna, might be. Andy, yeah. what's the point, Jacobs? It is my view on life. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, my philosophy. The best. Really. You're like this, uh, Andy Zaltzman. Uh, one of those who have to hey, Andy Zaltzman, hey, Andy Jacobs. <laughs> Two Andys in the studio have become very American sport. But uh, <laughs> we had uh, Sir Ranulph Fines here, and he said, "Sir Ranulph, you've uh, how many times have you climbed Everest? You've done so many incredible things. You've walked." the North Pole on a pair of underpants and, and Andy sort of said can I always want to ask what's the point <laughs> what's the point he said to a man who saw on his own fingers off up his shed he did, he did shut me point? down with a I have raised 10 million pounds <laughs> 10 million pounds okay, for charities oh yeah I get, I get it now yeah but what's the point um, have you got a catchphrase, Andy? Have you have you ever th- considered working one up? Or well, does they have to be quite organic, I suppose, don't they? Oh uh, no, but I mean, I think that's a good catchphrase for everyone, particularly anyone who works in sport. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably a dangerous question to ask. Yeah. The whole thing of them crashing down. <laughs> You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between one and four pm on Talk Sport. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. We we'll return tomorrow from one. We'll have the clips of the week for you, of course, as always. Uh, on a Friday. So until then, thanks for downloading us. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.